Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. This is the famous episode in the Gospels where Jesus takes his disciples to Caesarea Philippi and Peter makes the good confession. Just a real quick note on Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi would not be a place that a devout Jew would go. Strange that Jesus would go there. This is a pagan place. This is a Gentile place. This is a place where the worship of Pan was rampant. Uh, This is the place where uh, the River Jordan would originate from close to Mount Hermon. And so it would come literally from the bowels of the mountain. Uh, You would have the origination of the river, the Jordan River. And we do know at this location, a lot of different pagan cults uh, practice, and they practice all kinds of immorality. So if you're going to like the base station for satanic rituals, this would be the place you would go. So if you're going to take on Satan or make some type of declaration that war has started, this would be the place to do it. So Jesus, I think, intentionally takes his disciples here, and we need to realize that he's doing this on purpose And in this passage, we get the declaration that Christ is going to establish his ecclesia. That's just the word, the Greek word for church. Those who have been called out into this covenant community, those that will assemble, those that will come together, those that will be identified with Messiah Jesus. So things are going to change, and Peter is going to make this good confession And we're going to see the foundation of the church. The church is going to be founded upon this concept of Jesus and his identity that will hold us together. He also is going to establish some some leaders that will begin this church, and we'll talk more about that in a second. Now, let's go on and read through this passage, these, these verses, verses 13 through 20. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version today. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. So many interesting things in this. He asked his disciples, well, who do folks say I am? And they give a lot of different answers. John the Baptist, Elijah, and Elijah and John the Baptist, those characters are, are really tied together. John the Baptist was like a, was a prophet like Elijah. And there was this belief, there are all kinds of beliefs in Judaism at that time, just like we have different and varying beliefs about the second coming of Christ. There are a lot of different beliefs in Judaism about the coming of the Messiah. And some believe a great prophet would come before the Messiah. Some believe the Messiah himself would be a great prophet. There's just a lot of ideas. So Peter nails it. He says, you are the Christ. That in Greek, Christos means anointed one. It means Messiah. You are Messiah. You are King Jesus. 
You are the son of the living God. So he gets that right. Then Jesus says, you're blessed. And he calls him by his name, Simon Bar-Jonah. That means Simon, son of Jonah. That's his Hebrew name. But then he gives him a new name. You are Peter, Petros. And up on this Petra, I will build my church. So he has this play on words here. He's giving Peter this kind of nickname. Hey, you're Rocky. You're, you're going to be like a rock. Peter's anything but a rock at this point, actually. But he's going to become that rock. Then he talks about this rock-solid foundation of the church, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, his church will exist forever. Even when things seem bleak and culture seems horrible, the church will not cease to exist. So this church is going to have its start. It's going to have a beginning. Jesus is the builder of the church. Jesus is the foundation of the church. But then he also gives us authority within the church. And this would, this is what some people call apostolic authority. Now, I'll just address the elephant in the room. This passage is debated among Protestants and Roman Catholics. Some Catholics point to this and say this is one of the foundational passages for the papacy, for the Pope. And a lot of times Protestants will argue back with Catholics and go way too far out of fear of conceding ground to the Catholics on this. Let me just say from the outset here, Peter did have a leadership role in the early church. You can't get around that. And that's important for the study that we're going through right now as a church at Westgate because in Pentecost, it's Peter who gets up and preaches the first sermon. And we see Peter's leadership in the early parts of Acts. Later in Acts, Paul takes a central place in the narrative, but Peter is kind of one of the main guys there among the apostles. In all the list of the disciples, Peter is mentioned first. Usually Judas is mentioned last. And there's a reason for that. Now, how do I know that Peter is given some sense of authority within the church? Well, if you look at Isaiah chapter 22, verses 19 through 22, you'll realize Jesus is quoting from Isaiah when he is talking to Peter. Now, the episode in Isaiah that Jesus is referring to is a fellow named Shebna. Now, this is going way back in the Old Testament during the time of King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah had a viceroy, a guy that was kind of second in command, call him a prime minister named Shebna. And Shebna had done a horrible job. Shebna was not a good guy, and God was not pleased with Shebna. Now, listen to what God says to Shebna through the prophet Isaiah. And you're going to hear resonances and echoes from Matthew 16. But listen, this is Isaiah 22, 19 through 22. Speaking of Shebna, God says, I will thrust you from your office and you should be pulled down from your station. And that day I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. So to begin with in these verses, God is telling Shebna, your office that you occupied, you're being thrown out and I'm going to replace you with a guy named Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. Back in verse 21 now. And I'll clothe him with your robe and I'll bind your sash on him and will commit your authority to his hand. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and of the house of Judah, and I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. He shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none shall open. So this idea of the keys, and this idea of opening and shutting and binding, and that's just authoritative language. You have authority. And so this is the language Jesus uses for Peter. 
So he's telling Peter, look, you're going to have a place of leadership among the disciples, and I'm, I'm investing you with this authority. And this should not freak us out too much as Christians. Uh, I'm not making a case for the papacy, by the way. What we do see, though, in the New Testament is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, a very important doctrine we need not forget. And this is very important for us as Christians. In Ephesians 2.20, we're told that the church is built up on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Jesus being the chief cornerstone. Apostolic authority, the authority of the apostles, matters. Now, the apostles have died. They have gone home to be with the Lord. But their authority exists today through what they left behind in the traditions, what we would call the New Testament. Their teachings are authoritative. The prophets and apostles left writings for us. And they are binding. They have authority. So we still have apostolic authority today. This is a great reminder about who we are as Christians, our foundation we go right back to this event. We go back to this discussion between Simon Peter and Jesus. We are reminded that the church is based upon Christ. He is the head. He is the one. He is the authority through and through. And he gave his authority to the apostles to leave behind teachings that are binding for us. Of course, Peter was one of the leaders there in the early church that should not bother us at all. That's a biblical concept. But what we need to latch on to, instead of pushing back in polemics against Catholics and others and the papacy, is embrace this idea that there is such thing as apostolic authority, but we find it in the New Testament. And our lives should come under the authority of the New Testament. Really the whole Bible. And so that's refreshing to know that, wait a minute, in a world that's in flux, in a world that's confused, and we don't know the way forward, we do have truth. We have unshakable truth. We can have certitude about our faith. And that's refreshing because we're being told over and over again that you can't really know anything. You can know something for sure. The apostles, Christ in his wisdom, left behind people, these apostles that would lead the church that would help the church get on its feet. Imagine that the apostles are like scaffolding that you have around the building as the building's being built. And once the building's in place, Christ left behind, you could read places like the book of 1 Timothy and Titus, leadership within the church that would be there forever. So once the scaffolding is taken off the building, you have what would be the normal leaders of, of each church. You would have elders that would come from within the flock, these pastor leaders and also deacons, these servants working alongside them in the church. And that's the structure that Christ left in place for all eternity until he returns. So you have apostolic authority early on. We get their teaching from the New Testament simply. And now within our church, we have these shepherd leaders, these plurality of pastors, elders. You also have ministers that they've designated within the church. And you've got the deacons that carry out the, the work of mercy and waiting waiting upon tables and doing hands-on types of labor. So there you go in a nutshell, authority and where it comes from. Well, I hope this has cleared some things up for you as a Christian and edified you in your faith as we think about the founding of the church and our mission and who we are. 
Well, I hope you have a great day. I hope you join us back tomorrow uh, for tomorrow's podcast. God bless. Thank you.